Welcome to Those Two Mums. We are your hosts, Rochelle and Maddie. We are just two regular girls winging our way through parenthood, our relationship, and life in general. Each week, we will be bringing you conversations that we feel just aren't spoken about enough, including IVF, pregnancy, parenthood, relationships, as well as shedding some light on the LGBTQ community. We will be the ones to normalize those tough and awkward topics, and we hope that our conversations help you to feel seen, heard, and more understood. No fussing. Let's get into it. Hello, Maddie. Hi, Rochelle. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Today's chat, we sit down with two of our beautiful friends. They are a same-sex couple, Nick and Jack. Is it a boy and a boy, a girl and a girl, a boy and a girl? Are they and a them? Well, you'll have to just wait and find out. But we sit down with them and we talk about their coming out stories. We talk about exploring sexuality. How did we all know that we were gay? How do you know if someone else is gay and they're trying to hit on you? Are they flirting? And what is it really like being in a same-sex relationship and our top tips for navigating being in a same-sex relationship? It, it gets a little bit saucy. It actually gets a lot saucy, doesn't it? We went off path with all the questions. We had questions there to ask them and then we just got carried away and, and I think we just caught up with them in, in general. <laughs> so if you want to know uh, some really hot sauce about being in a same-sex relationship, keep listening because it goes very rogue and very deep. We do not hold back in this one and they are absolute legends. It was so much fun to chat with them. First, we will get into our success disasters for the week. Maddie, you take it away. I'm going to start with my disgusting disaster. Is this the same as last week's disaster? Because it was you have another disgusting one. Last week's disaster was quite disgusting too. Oh, the meat. Yes, yeah. no. This one's – oh, it's on par. I would say it's on par. Okay. So I was getting my washing on, running some errands, and I could smell the washing machine. And I'm not sure if anyone's been in this debacle before, but it is – the most rankest smell if you let your washing machine have a way of a time and don't keep it updated with its cleaning. <laughs> so I didn't realize that the filter and the water draino thingo needed to be attended to. And let me just say there was corn kernels, there was chunky bits of, I don't know, bobby pins <laughs> all wedged into this filter that I found. I didn't realize the water was going to rush out. It went all over the floor and it smelt and I'm still recovering from it. I don't think I've washed my hands so much than I've ever had before this last week. So, disaster. I wish I could empathize with you, but you are the washing queen in the house. I don't generally go near the washing machine too much. (laughs) And you hardly smell. Your nostril holes don't work as well as mine. So, I could smell literally... If a bee flew in the house with pollen on its feet, I'd be like, did you buy me flowers? <laughs> I've got a really good nose, which it works it's in my favour and it does also suck at, at the times when you're cleaning the washing machine, for example. So everybody, this is your little hot tip. Make sure you drain that washing machine and clean that filter because if you neglect it, You'll neglect yourself. <laughs> Your washing will stink and your partner won't want to be around you. <laughs> yes. So disaster. <laughs> Gross. My success. 
This is going to sting you a little bit. I think your wounds might be a little bit open for this one, Rochelle. Oh, no. Just to like let everyone know, if you don't already know, Maddie and I don't discuss our success disasters <laughs> before we come on and kind of share them. So you guys are hearing them firsthand just as much as we are. So it is all live reactions over here. <laughs> Well, do you remember how you made me some nice, crunchy chat potatoes in the air fryer? (laughs) I do. When I was packing up your mess after you'd left the house, I found one chat potato left in the air fryer that was tucked (laughs) under the baking paper. Yep. And I was delighted because this is what the reward I get for cleaning the kitchen and I ate that chat potato <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoyed it because I deserved it. Yeah, you're so lucky. <laughs> they were so good. They are the best crispy chat potatoes that I ever make. I was so full, but I knew how much you would have ate that if you knew it was in there. So, <laughs> so you ate it out of stuff you. I'm eating this last potato because I'm cleaning the kitchen. Yeah, stuff you for making me clean the kitchen. So success. Oh, <laughs> that's a pretty good find. It's like when you're I don't know, this probably doesn't happen because cash isn't a thing anymore. Again, hasn't happened to me because I don't really do the washing. Love you, babe. <laughs> when like your parents used to find coins in like the other parent's pocket, I guess like for my household, it was my mum would find like coins and money in my dad's pocket and she'd be like, oh, this is mine now, find us keepers. <laughs> so it was your chap- chap- potato, potato was your finder keeper. Yep. And I loved every crunchy bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> We all know how much we love coffee. If you don't know, we love coffee. We drink it every day. It's the intro to this podcast if you didn't pick up on that. I go to this cafe near where I work and I work in kind of like a bit of a bougie slash alternative like chill beach town. Anyway, I get the environment. I get being eco-friendly. I'm all for it. And I actually usually take a keep cup, but just this one time, because I've just kind of gone back to work recently, I didn't take a keep cup. This cafe, they do these like, I'm going to call them cardboard coffee cup lids. And they (laughs) taste like I'm drinking my coffee through toilet paper, through a filtered (laughs) piece of cardboard toilet paper, piece of paper that came out of my printer or something. (laughs) And it is not great. If you're a cafe owner and you do those lids, please find another alternative because it makes my coffee taste like I'm drinking, yeah, toilet paper. Yeah, but the turtles love that. No, but you can find other alternatives, surely. Just ask for no lid. I will next time. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, I'm already all over it. It kind of just like, it's hard because in an ambulance, you can't really not have a lid on a coffee because it like bounces everywhere and it would just be like, that would be a disaster in itself. People sneezing in the back. Yeah, rank. So you need a (laughs) lid on your coffee. Anyway, I I drank my toilet paper coffee. It was fine, (laughs) but it was a bit of a disaster. (laughs) Still kind of food related. A little while ago, Maddie and I had this kind of little couples debate, as you do, it's very healthy in a relationship, about peanut butter on toast. Mm, I know where this is going. Maddie has butter under her peanut butter. And in my head, I'm just like, Yuck, rank. That's a fucking overkill because you're putting butter on peanut butter and it's just like this sloppy mess on a piece of toast and just like real creamy and real intense. I don't know how you get sloppy out of that. <laughs> <laughs> Why would just... butter turn my toast sloppy? <laughs> 
Does your butter go, does your toast go sloppy when you put it underneath your Vegemite? <laughs> it just feels like too much cream on top of a piece of toast. Anyway, I say that. However, the other day I had this beautiful freshly baked piece of sourdough from the local cafe. I was like, you know what? I kind of feel like I want to try butter underneath my peanut. I didn't tell Maddie. I just did it secretly. I was like, (laughs) I just wanted to kind of fly under the radar and see how it went. Guys, I loved it. I am a convert. I'm a butter on my peanut butter toast gal now. And it was delicious. It was salty and it didn't make my mouth dry like peanut butter toast, I suppose, used to. So really, I was at fault all along. And now I'm waiting. Success. No, I'm also waiting for something else. What? Oh, you want an apology? (laughs) Just whisper sorry at least. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We love you all. We will get into this week's episode because it is a little bit of a long one, but I promise you it is so worth it. If you want the dirt on a same-sex relationship, we dive deep. We hope you all enjoy. Nick and Jack, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. It's really funny because every time I say your name to people, Nick and Jack, it's like it could be a guy and a guy or a girl and a girl or a girl and a guy. I was talking to mum the other day about your engagement party that we just went to recently and she was like, hold on, Rochelle, I just need to ask, um, who are like Nick and Jack, like are they? And I was like, it's Nicole and Jacqueline, but we call them Nick and Jack and you'll just never know. (laughs) Do people yeah. get that confused very often? I think when we're talking about our partners to work colleagues or to just people in general, if they are oh, my partner, Jack, people kind of like just assume that it's a, a boy and then mm-hmm. you know, they might go, oh, what, is, what does he do? Or what, what, and then you're kind of like, oh, well, she um, does this. And then it's kind of that awkward moment where you go, oh, oh, okay, great, awesome. <laughs> it is <laughs> the classic, the classic awkward tell them that you're gay subtly. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we all know that very well. Or it's even just like introducing yourself like, hi, I'm Jack. And they're like, Jacqueline. It's Jacqueline, short, you know, whole thing. You know. <laughs> do you yeah. want to tell us a little bit about yourselves, what you do for work, what you are currently doing with your life at the moment? Yeah, sure. Cool. So uh, I'm Nick or Nicole, whichever you would prefer. Um <laughs> I'm 29 and I am an exercise physiologist. So we are currently living out in Alice Springs. We just finished a year of traveling and then have relocated out to Alice Springs where we're working, living at the moment, which has been really, really awesome. And I'm Jack or Jacqueline um, and I'm a pediatric physio. So working with anywhere from newborn bubs to sort of mainly under 18s, but mostly have disabilities or diagnosis. Some just have kind of delays when they're little um, and need a little bit of physio to catch up. But yeah, and yeah, living in Alice Springs, loving it up here, which has been a whole new experience in itself. Amazing. And I'm sure any of the parents listening to this, yes, we're going to get Jack back on to talk all things pediatric physio. (laughs) Don't you guys worry. (laughs) Everyone's going to come at it. We will get her back for another chat. But today we're going to be chatting to these two legends about All things, pros and cons to being in a same-sex couple, what it's like being in, you know, a queer relationship and just about their lives and our lives and just a whole lot of fun it's going to be. Well, we also forgot the beginning of our necessity, success and disaster. So, um, girls, you know what this is about. We need some successes and disasters, please. 
Okay. So my success was that we had the most amazing trip back to Sydney and yeah, we had the engagement party, which went really well. And then we had two of our other really, really close lesbian friend wedding the following weekend. And it was just such a beautiful weekend celebrating love and seeing all of our friends really happy. So that was my success. (laughs) And um, my disaster is that from that wedding, we both caught the blue quite badly. So when we came back to Alice Springs, we were in bed for four days, like feeling absolutely terrible. And that was a disaster. Oh, yes. The sickness. I swear these days, I don't know whether it's a postpartum thing, but I think I've been sick the most I have this year than I have in my entire life. And I'm like, am I just that run down and weathered from having a baby or am I just really unlucky with just catching every germ that I walk past? I'm not sure. Because <laughs> I got so sick after your girl's wedding too. I don't know what it was a plane or what there was, but I came back and crashed for like a week too. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think it's really going around. Everyone's just catching everything under the sun. It's kind of everyone's immune system is not happy. Sharing's caring. <laughs> <laughs> My success is that while we get to live in Alice Springs, we are able to still adventure and travel while it may not be full time like we used to. But, you know, we have these incredible water holes and gorges and all these amazing things right at our doorstep that we get to travel to basically for a day trip and these are places that people you know wait their life to see and we get to go on a weekend trip that's my success very nervous all the time and i'll stop you there i'm going to plug your amazing instagram and i'll say it lots right here but these girls traveling around in their troopy they have an instagram at loop in the troop and it is honestly some of the most stunning scenery you'll ever see in your life. So if you feel like getting a little jealous about some outback adventures, go give them a follow. Uh, my disaster is that I keep dropping my phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I had like, you know, the good old Otterbox card case and it's been dropped enough times that the corner's broken off that. And the last time that I dropped it, I smashed my screen a little bit more and got a little nice cut on my finger. So that is my Shards of glass. Is there anything worse? (laughs) First world problems, am I right? (laughs) I dropped my iPhone. How unfortunate. (laughs) We will get into some of the questions. So we want to know about your girl's coming out story. If you're happy to share with us what that kind of looked like for you, just briefly, you don't have to, you know, go into it fully. But yeah, what was the coming out process and story like for you guys? Mine was a a very long-winded coming out. I was dating women or girls when I was a teenager, but that was all in secrecy. I didn't feel comfortable within my own sexuality. I grew up in a Catholic family and went to Catholic school and no one in my life told me it was a bad thing to be gay explicitly, but I think it was just kind of ingrained in me through a society and environmental aspect. So I was dating women for a number of years before I actually came out. I think I felt like I was living a bit of a double life because I had my queer community friends who I was authentically myself with and I felt really comfortable with, but then I would go back to the Central Coast and be in that kind of bubble of high school friends and family and, you know, have you got a boyfriend, rah, rah? No, no, I'm not interested in getting a boyfriend. I'm really busy, rah, rah, rah. So it was just kind of like, too busy for boys. Uh, you're studying. You've got your head screwed on straight. Yeah. 
And then it was the um, marriage equality plebiscite and conversations were happening and it was, you know, all over the news and the no vote and all this sort of stuff. And then I was really reflecting on how would I feel if people close to me and family members voted no, not knowing that was going to directly impact someone they supposedly loved and cared about. So I decided to come out on, um, I made a big like long post and, and whatnot on Facebook so that it was kind of like, you know, one thing where I could just put it out there and have my say and say something that I felt really strongly and passionately about and then just let everyone in my life know at once so I didn't have to keep having the conversation. And it actually went really well, like lots of positive responses and yeah, it was it was awesome. I love being gay and I love that I can now feel comfortable that everyone in my life knows it and I'm very proud. I wonder if straight people say, I love being straight. They're <laughs> <laughs> really missing out. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that story. That's really cool that you had such a positive kind of response to it and so brave of you, I think, to put it out there at such a pivotal time in the world and really good representation, I think, for when we were going through that um voting kind of side of us so amazing yeah it was horrible and it was like you know that time I think it was one of those like formative times where you know people are telling you that you're an abomination or that you're you know there's rising the sky saying like that you're going to go to hell or that you know it's horrible times but it was such an important time as well to make sure that you know you're on the right side of history I guess Hmm. I think if all the queers are going to hell it's going to be great <laughs> okay, we don't want to be there. <laughs> All the streets won't be saying elevators, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are there in a head living tea like, man, I want to be down there where the queens <laughs> um, And Jack, what about you? So for mine, a um, little bit different, sort of from a very young age when I was a child, had suspected that I was gay or had these thoughts. But like Nick grew up in sort of a Catholic, went to Catholic schools and I just didn't really, like I didn't know any gay people that sort of close to me. And yeah, I was never directly told like being gay is bad. Like, you know, that wasn't any messaging in my household, but just kind of little, you know, comments that you hear people say about, uh, you know, so-and-so is always being or something where it's just in that negative slur. And so I think you just kind of then go in on yourself and push it really far down. So I was kind of like, oh, no, I can't be gay. This will happen and this will happen. So I, you know, a lot through my childhood and teenage years had these thoughts. And I remember kind of watching different TV shows and sort of training myself, quote unquote, to kind of look at the men in the show and train myself to not think that way because I thought it was really wrong and really bad. And so, you know, I thought I was successful in that. And most of my early 20s was dating men and never like I wasn't really overly about having boyfriends either so kind of but I was convinced that you know I was straight and then um yeah it wasn't until I joined the AFL team footy girls that uh-huh. it, <laughs> that was yeah, a crap <laughs> um it just felt like I met all these amazing queer women that uh that were in either beautiful relationships or just amazing people and it just really normalized it and I'd met lots of people and then I was living in a world where that was not only accepted and okay, but really celebrated and really amazing. And then so kind of was starting to be like, oh, maybe it would be okay if I do explore this. 
And then I lived in London for a little bit and kind of away from all of those, you know, pressures of people thinking certain expectations of you or things of you. And you can really do a lot of self-discovery when you're living somewhere where nobody knows you. And yeah, so then I kind of really did a lot of self-discovery in myself during that time. And then when I came back, I came out to the footy girls and sort of told a lot of my friends that, you know, oh, so I think I am gay. And they were like, yeah, we know. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, welcome to the party. And so then kind of started exploring that when I was around 25. And then it wasn't until I started dating Nick that I then came out to my family and my like friends that weren't gay or like, you know, my other friends like from school and stuff. Um, Before that, I didn't really feel the need to because I was like, well, you know, I don't go around telling them when I'm just casually dating a guy. So I just sort of was something that I did feel really nervous to do. Um, But then once I started dating Nick, I really had a reason to because I really loved her. So you know, and she uh, made me want to be proud of who I was. So yeah, so then I eventually came out to my my family and sort of broader friends and stuff, which in itself had a few challenges in our the early stages of our relationship. But I think as people really saw how happy and genuinely happy I was with Nick and how healthy our relationship was and that we still, you know, we wanted a really beautiful future together, people became very accepting and really, really like happy for us. And you know, now we are engaged and, you know, all our family and friends and are really amazing and, you know, love Nick and love our relationship and are really supportive of that. And your relationship is absolutely beautiful. At your engagement party, you could just feel it like I was just like, let me in between this little vibe that I can see. I just wanted to <laughs> snuggle in between you girls. I loved it. I suppose it is difficult to wrap your head around our relationship only feels accepted when it's a very happy, positive relationship. Whereas I think some people in a straight relationship, even if it's quite a toxic relationship or there's issues, they're still ex- their relationship's still accepted and it's kind of almost normal, like, oh, I had a fight with my boyfriend or oh, he's being a dick. And mm-hmm. so I think that I found that really hard to wrap my head around because when I was coming out, I was like, but I'm a good person. Like, you know, I, I'm i I'm not in jail, essentially. That was what I equated it to. I was like, but I'm a good person. Just because I'm gay, I'm still a good person. And it's kind of like mm-hmm. you almost have to prove that you're worthy or you're in a worthy, healthy relationship, which now it doesn't matter, but it was easier. I totally get that for for people to accept your relationship in that sense when you're like, oh, but they are so happy, so it doesn't really matter. Totally. And it still took some time, to be honest, though. Like, it was pretty tricky for, like, you know, maybe the first year, I'd say, Mm -hmm. or potentially a little bit more. Like, you know, it still had its challenges. But, you know, I think eventually then people just overcome some of the misconceptions they have about same-sex relationships. And it does become that, like, whole normalized thing of, like, oh, they're still the same person. They still want the same things. It doesn't mean they're doing anything wrong it's just that they love someone who is also in the same gender as them yeah I'm, i remember for me my most terrifying thing that i was scared of is that it would change people's perception of me and, and who i was as a person that now that when they found out that i was gay that then that meant that they would view me differently or treat me differently and that was definitely a big fear of mine is that well you know i'm still the person i've always been i just love 
uh, women. So I think that was something that, you know, definitely in that coming out stage, I was really scared to tell friends from my life prior to, I guess, them knowing that I was gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jack, just touching on how you um, spoke about how you didn't really make it official to close friends and family until you were in a serious relationship with Nick. And I can relate to that situation completely because I wasn't ever like open and honest with everyone until I did meet someone that I had genuine feelings for and wanted it to be something real. And you're saying you had those challenges throughout that year following that like a little bit. It's It was that the challenging part as well was just taking that breath and being like honest with yourself at the same time as well as other people. So it's kind of reality sinks in with you a little bit more because you're like, okay, fuck, like I am actually genuinely in a relationship and I'm telling people and it's making sense to you more at the same time as well as other people that kind of probably sense something was a bit like not straighty 180 with you type thing as well. So it's just one of those things where it's a lot of self-discovery and confidence building that you you have to dig deep and find and learn to love about yourself as well because it's reality is really there then. Yeah, hugely. I definitely agree. And like, I think even when I first came out, it wasn't like, I didn't say, hey, I'm bi or I'm gay or I'm this. Like, I was just like, oh, I'm dating Nicole. Like, it was like, yeah. you know, she's a woman. So, <laughs> you know, I didn't quite know how to explain it. Cause yeah, I was still trying to figure it out myself. It's like, what does this mean? And cause I think when you have pushed something down for so long, it's then allowing yourself to explore that and being like it's okay like it is safe you know you are still loved and all of those things can be quite tricky for your inner you know your inner thoughts and yeah so I think it's very just as much exploring yourself and being comfortable with the fact like oh okay so what does my life look like and you know like I still do want to have kids and you know at that time none of our friends had kids so it's like okay what would that look like and what would this look like? And just exploring all these things because you still love that person so much that all of those other things sort of, you're just like, oh, well, I'll figure it out. Um, Or should you have to label yourself? And I think for anyone listening that is going through the coming out process or any parents who are listening who may be exploring that with their children at the moment, you don't have to put a label on it. But, you know, dating a woman or loving a woman doesn't necessarily mean that you have to label yourself as a lesbian or, you know, whatever, or because you currently are still exploring both sexes, you're bi. And I think it's, I find when you're coming out in those early days, it's easier to put a label on yourself. Or I found that anyway for myself, because being confused is just another added layer to the shit show that (laughs) coming out can sometimes be. But yeah, I think it's really important and I'm so glad that you touched on that, that you don't have to put a label on it straight away. It's okay to be a little bit fluid and just explore what makes you happy at the end of the day. I'm going to say something, but be very careful with Rochelle by my side listening. But if Rochelle was to break my heart into a million pieces, which she won't, thank you, but if she were to, I'm all about loving like the person that I'm with and there and then in the present as for future wise if the heart was to break I don't know what my future looks like I haven't put a label on myself like yeah I call myself gay for sure but if like this is the present time I'm speaking but if things were to change dramatically and I'm standing there heartbroken working out what my life's doing I can't promise anybody gone 
yeah, I'm going to 100% be with a girl or 100% going to be with a boy or whatever. It's just in my head, I'm like, I'm in love with this person and that's because of X, Y, Z. And it's not because of their gender or anything. It's just because that's what makes my heart full right now and I'll commit to that. And then, yeah, I think it's this very borderline between Rochelle and I. We've had many conversations. Sometimes they get heated even. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you do know. <laughs> <laughs> because she's like, well, what do you mean? Like you won't date girls. It's almost offensive. And I was like, I just don't know what I would be dating. Like, to be honest, like, I don't know. I could just have a pet guinea pig and love that and not want a human after that. I'm not sure. <laughs> wow, this is taking it. <laughs> anyway, I'm hot and sweaty sitting beside Rochelle because I'm, I'm nervous when we hang up on this like little podcast thing here that I might have another conversation coming, but that's just my honest truth. <laughs> no, I've, I want to explain that for people listening, being like, Rochelle got her knickers in and not about <laughs> it I think it's just the fact of like maybe in the earlier days I think it would be very different now I'm a lot I'm very confident with my sexuality but in the early days if Maddie was to leave me for a guy or any of my ex-female partners to leave me for a guy I would be like did you genuinely love me like did you find me attractive as a woman was that a genuine connection I would just feel like oh well they've gone back to a guy and I think it was just making me feel a bit invalidated as a female partner but I've come a long way I've <laughs> we have our reasons like I'm not yeah I'm not really get the fluid sexuality and stuff like that now in in these sense and I'm very confident in our relationship but I think those early days and also I find women being attracted to women a very sexy trait <laughs> So, yeah, that's kind of just where I come from. I think you girls are so hot. Just let you know. <laughs> Did you like that? We've all just gone blushies. <laughs> and that's so funny. I agree, though, on Mads's front. Like, I can relate to that. And when I did come out, I remember saying to a couple of, like, different conversations with different friends of, like, I have a girlfriend now. Her name is Nicole, rah, rah, rah. And they'd be like, oh, so what are you gay or are you bi? And I'd be like, well, I, don't, I actually don't believe in labels. Like, you know, at the moment I'm dating her, like, I, I don't know. Like, and I would make a point of saying that to the kind of heteronormative beliefs of some of my fr- friends that I did encounter. It's one of those ones I've never had that emotional connection with a boy before. And that's, and I've had a couple with women before. So I'm just like, okay, well, maybe, maybe it would never happen with a boy. But I can't just sit there and be like, I haven't felt emotions. I could never, ever feel emotions. So it's just a matter of not just not ruling shit out if I don't know the answer genuinely. So, but right now we're happy and in love. So let's stay that way. Piggybacking off that conversation for any, you know, people listening that are going through the coming out process or just exploring their sexuality. How do you know if someone else is gay from a female perspective? How do you know if they're just being a really nice, friendly girlfriend or if they're being a little bit flirty? Um, I think we should chat about that to help all of our baby queers out there. I do remember when I first started like openly exploring dating women and I had a close friend of mine that had recently, like she'd left a 10-year relationship with her ex-husband as well. So we were both in the same point of kind of exploring dating women and I remember standing at this cafe and uh, um, the barista was like really friendly and we were like how do you know if a girl is flirting with you or if she's just being nice like this is so difficult looking back I think she was probably flirting now that I've got a bit more experience from it but it is quite tricky when you're first coming out of like 
you know, how do you tell? Confidence of eye contact. Yeah. That's what I think. Like, you... different. Yeah. yeah. And if it makes you feel a little bit like, ooh, in your, in your tummy, like it gives you a bit of a flip, usually that's a bit of an indication that a little bit of flirting's going on. And like, it's like extended eye contact, where eye contact doesn't need to be given for that long, but if it's being held... And like, yeah, it's like definitely. the deeper eye contact. It's almost like they're looking into your soul, you know, like it's like a deep level of eye contact with like a cheeky smile, a little smile. and then it might be a glance away rather than just like, oh, hi, may I take your order? And like, you know, like you can have like, a conversation without even saying a word. You're just kind of like, we're chatting, but we're not chatting technically. It's so true. The number one thing is the extended eye contact. It just hits different. You don't hold extended eye contact. A straight girl doesn't hold extended eye contact with you. It just doesn't. I've never, ever had it happen in my, how old am I? 20 In my whatever, 18 odd years of feeling like I'm definitely gay. <laughs> it's never happened. Straight girl contact. So, and I think, I guess it depends in the environment that you're in as well. Like if you are walking a dog or something like it's harder to tell versus if you're in a queer space and you lock eyes across the room and it's like just the energy I don't know for me I feel it's an energy like I can just tell when someone's gay I like feel it in my body like it sounds funny but like gay like gay women we have a certain energy about us we have a bit of a walk you can just tell (laughs) the way we hold our drink bottle (laughs) have a chapstick in your pocket (laughs) <laughs> it is a little bit harder for people who identify as like more of a femme lesbian like if you don't have like nick i know do, i don't know if you do you still have it that undershave of your head yeah i still got undercut in my top one yeah. you look at someone with half their head underneath shaved in your life if you're not gay girl you're gonna be soon <laughs> <laughs> but i think when you're um more femme presenting in every way like you don't have a single like identifying factor about you that may scream a little bit of gay I think that's when it can be a little bit hard for people to tell that you're gay if you're single or like you know vice versa for you to kind of know like people know that you are gay and you're interested in them so yeah all that energy and the, the touch and the eye contact my ex-girlfriend and I were just dropping in yes but even if you don't have an ex-girlfriend just drop it in <laughs> But it is harder for, I think, when people do assume that you're straight. Um, but what happens to you more than it's ever happened for me, I guess? Yeah. Like, I probably look, quote, unquote, straighter because I am a little, probably a little bit more femme than you are as well. Like, but then it's still, I think it's more still straight people that assume that I'm straight rather than, like, queer people. I don't know, in my experience. And I think now, like, I think back in the day when you would say partner, automatically my ears would always prick up and be like oh partner they might be they might be queer but now I think feel like partner is a word that heterosexual couples now use too and you're kind of like oh like now it's like all suspenseful what who, who are they dating yeah, waiting for <laughs> I was just about to say we should like mix female and partner in my head I said partner and I was like we can't say that that's a bit much <laughs> <laughs> So we have a few questions from our followers that are dying to know all things lesbian. So these are a little bit of fun, a little bit of an insight on what it's like to be in a same-sex relationship or more so like a queer lesbian relationship. So we'll do some rapid fires. The first one, 
what percent of lesbian do you go for day to day? Like, what do you cut? Like, what percent of lesbian do you look to aim for in a day in your day to day life? I would say a hundred percent for for me. Like, I think that no room no, I'm <laughs> I don't know. I think for, for that, like, I identify as a lesbian. So I would feel that 100% of me is a lesbian. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, I think the way that I out of your like bedroom every morning and be like, I look like a lesbian. I hope that I look 100% lesbian today. Oh, you know what? I think it depends on where I'm going, if I'm being honest. I thought, yeah, yeah. like, I think that, I think that it was more so when I was younger, I very much thought about it when I was a bit bit more insecure with like maybe who I was or what people thought of me. These days I couldn't give a fuck, Um, (laughs) but it it took a journey to get there. But I think that, um, yeah, I think that now, like, I don't, I never go out wanting to look like a lesbian. I just think that I do. I'd never, I've never put on a pair of clothes and go, yeah, I'm going to make myself look like a big raging lesbian today. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> better just pick up the undercut. Yeah. Undercut and button up. Undercut, <laughs> button eyelet, and a beanie, like, you know. I mean, I definitely could. Don't get me wrong. Half my wardrobe is stereotypical lesbian, but it's not a conscious thought. I think this one is a hard question to answer because it's, it fits into a little bit of that stereotype of what we're talking about before with like having to put a percentage on it. Like I find that quite difficult to put a percent on because like who's to say that Rochelle is any less of a lesbian because, you know, or I'm less of a lesbian because I don't dress the same, you know. So I find that one quite difficult actually. I I disagree with the if I would be less inclined to wear like a dress and heels if I was going to a gay club versus if I was going to like a bougie restaurant on the Gold Coast kind of thing. Like I would I would definitely be less inclined to go to the beat in Brisbane in my heels and like cocktail dress. Even even going to your engagement party, I we were talking about what we're gonna wear and Rochelle's like, there's gonna be heaps of gay people in like, oh okay. So I like I went to a certain part of my cupboard where I was like, oh, I'll probably wear this, this and this, just based on like kind of who I was going to be around. Not because I'm trying to impress anyone, but I'm like that's what would make me feel ha- more happy and comfortable because of the crowd yeah. that we were in. Yeah. And I think also when you're going to a lesbian event or like a queer event where you know there's going to be a lot of queer people, you probably, like it makes you feel a little bit safer to maybe explore some of those dress options that, mm. you know, are a little bit out of your comfort zone. And if you're going to a straight wedding, oh, wearing a suit might feel really like, oh, I don't know, but like if you or if you're wearing whatever it is, but if you're going to an event with lots of queer people, you know that, you know, you're very accepted and you are safe. And so, oh, I can actually explore wearing different things that, you know, I'm interested in trying, but feels a bit like, you know. Am I going to go to your granddad's 70th with glitter in your face? Like, <laughs> granddad might have a partner as well. Partner has got to come, split up. Like, I think you're so right because how, like, boss did all the women, like, at our engagement party look in their suits? Like, it was such a vibe. Like, but I can't imagine that happening in other environments. Women in suits, though, is next level, too. That's your conversation with your eyeballs. There's a lot of that going on. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm a great suit. I was like, okay, Carol. (laughs) Get it, girl. 
All right. So next question, what is the funniest misconception people have about lesbian sex? So this is just the broadest topic, I reckon. I had one of these when I came, when I first told one of my friends about Nick, she literally, this is a direct quote, how do you even have sex? And it just, I actually felt a bit insulted. I was like, well, actually the sex I'm having with Nick is better than I've ever had in my life. So, you know, like, <laughs> get it. Uh, you know, it's very like, you know, we're taking a whole another term with the topic, with the um, content here. But yeah, I think like it is a misconception that just because there's no penis or something to go inside you that you can't be pleasured and have a really positive experience. So. I think that the connection that you have when you have sex with a woman over a man is so much more like intimate and beautiful because it's all about. I don't know if this might be a bit TMI, but what you're thinking about is how you can pleasure the other person and make them feel happy, like, you know, make them feel good when, you know, stereotypically when there's a penis involved. I've had a lot of conversations with people that have had sex with men that they feel like it is a bit more transactional and it's all about the man having an orgasm and getting off and then they feel like their wants and needs haven't been met. And like, I know that's a stereotype, but I've never kind of felt like that when I've had sex with women. But when I was trying to prove to myself that I was straight and I was sleeping with men, that was every interaction that I'd had when I had slept with a man was unfulfilling and felt like a little bit used at the end. Yeah, absolutely. I even went to a lunch the other day with a heap of friends and there was, I think I was the only gay one there, but they were sitting in and a lot of them were relating and agreeing with each other that they would have sex with their male partner just to buy them a few days to give them a break. So they're like, oh, if we have sex tonight, that means they'll buy me like three days type thing as well. And like my heart just felt like I, my heart just felt so broken for them because I'm like, that's sad. Like you shouldn't have to do that to like technically buy yourself some days of being untouched. I'm like, that's a bit, yeah, I don't know. I think um, obviously there's hormones that come into play and we won't delve into like all of that kind of stuff because we're women truly unqualified for that. I think that uh, I have experienced in a lesbian relationship, women are a lot more open about their feelings and their wants and their needs and being a lot more receptive to their partner's wants and needs as well. Like as you said, Nick, we want our partner to feel good when we're intimate and we want to know what they want and like. And so, and then I think, you know, if anyone doesn't feel like sex, then that's a very open and understood conversation. And then in turn, it makes you want to be intimate with your partner more because they're understanding of you and you have that open communication. And Naturally feeling just a lot closer because of that connection. We're going on topic two. We didn't really actually answer the question, did we? I, I answered to the most common misconception is scissoring. Let's talk about this for a second. It is the most impractical, unsatisfying sex position. In the history of sex positions, <laughs> it's hard and it's unaffected. <laughs> so anyone out there who doesn't know how lesbians have sex, it's not scissoring. Don't picture that because it is unpleasurable. <laughs> yeah. Lots of laughs, actually, though. Like, it's just got like laughs and hip cramps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit of deep ab work out. <laughs> All right. Well, next question. What is the stupidest thing that we argue about with each other? I.e. Nick and Jack, what's the stupidest thing that you guys argue about 
versus Maddie and I, what's the stupidest thing we argue about? Ours is definitely food. Like when we're hungry, we cannot share food because it's like, your house is slightly bigger than my Like I need one cheap from your side of the nachos. We know we need separate meals. Yeah. <laughs> one time in the car, Nick like was having a Pepsi Max for dinner because she wasn't hungry and I was eating. <laughs> I, I decided, actually, I would like a sip of Pepsi Max. She actually got so mad and we had a proper fight about this Pepsi Max game. <laughs> oh, wow. We nearly broke up over that. <laughs> I love that. The most insignificant things turned into some of the biggest emotional blues. Well, our most, our most recent would be Rochelle decided to take the mattress protector off and go to a laundromat to put it in the big laundromat like cleaner washing machine. And it's been floating around our house and now it's in my car. It's still unwashed. And I'm just like, kudos for thinking of it. But it's been off our bed for like three weeks now and something needs to happen. This stupid, stinky mattress protector needs to be cleaned. It needs to be out of my car soon. So that was the most recent one, wasn't it? I think the stupidest thing that we argue about, though, is stacking the dishwasher because I will admit I suck at stacking the dishwasher. I thought I was decent, but I'm not. <laughs> and Maddie is amazing at it. And so... No. It's more like OCD, though. I've got issues, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I just like them based in one way so I know the water drips off from a certain way and I hate the smell of hot egg on plates it makes me feel sick so i'll know if anything eggy went through the dishwasher i can smell it in the cups i'm just a bit a particular yeah she'll stack a bowl on top of a bowl that are like hugging each other i'm like how the fucking hell is that other bowl gonna get clean like <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> so that's definitely one of the arguments that's for sure all right has anyone here ever flirted or tried to get with a straight girl? Was it successful? How did it turn out? Yeah. My very first experience, like when I was like discovering myself, there was a girl that I was working with and I was like, oh, I think that we're like, we're spending a lot of time together and I think it feels flirty. I was getting the tingles. There was lots of eye contact. Like whether she's actually straight or not is another question but like I then told her how I was feeling which was pretty huge for it being the first time I you know told a girl how I felt um and then she was like no I'm strictly hetero was her response and I was like oh wow I'm way off the mark here literally that was her response I was like I just on the ground to swallow me up right now I feel so <laughs> so then I was like maybe I'll just stay straight and then um this didn't I have been with a straight girl before. I actually, we dated for a while and it was successful while dating and then it was terribly unsuccessful when I got my heart shattered into a million pieces and yeah, so it's it can be successful, I guess, but are they actually straight or that's the outcome of it is that when they then date a, a males after you exclusively, um, you know, then it does raise the question of like, okay, well, what? was that with with me or like what was I to them and you know while at the time it's great and 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 you feel that connection and it feels like love afterwards when your heart's broken it's kind of like no poor me (laughs) I find it really interesting where you have a friend who does delve a lot like she's single and she's a lesbian but she does delve a lot with straight girls or girls who are experiencing their first time 
And I find it that really interesting because I was never someone who would even go near a straight seeming or first time with a woman girl. Like I was not about that. As I said earlier, I'm someone who thinks when women find other women sexy, it's very attractive. So I don't, I never, when I was single, wanted to be someone's play toy. I never wanted to be someone's first experience. And that's just like me. And that was my personal thing. I know everyone's very different, but I was like, "Mm -mm, I don't find it sexy that I'm the first girl that you've been. (laughs) Those poor girls that were trying to work themselves out had no chance with Rochelle, like off limit. It's like one of the, like, like the, what do you say? You have to prerequisites when you met me. You're like, have you been with a girl before? It's like, yes. Okay, we can move on to the next step. <laughs> All these big questions. You guys find that you had the really big questions like within your first couple of dates though? We got de- Remember the first time I went over to your place? We spoke heavily. Like, we, you remember you opened up to me like, I've never opened up to people like that, like basically ever. And here I am meeting you for the second time after we mingled the first time we hung out like it was just like a I'm sober initially mm. kind of catch up and you open up a heap and you're like I don't normally do that whether we were just in a vulnerable state and we're both nervous so we just built beans left right I'm not sure beans everywhere the, um with, like lesbians do definitely I mean that stereotypical you hauling type of thing but I think going hard very early is such a common theme among a lot Big conversations, big scissors. <laughs> <laughs> it's sizzling without a control of it. <laughs> As like women, you do tend to like chat a lot more and sort of typically. And so then you do have these big discussions. And um, I think the connection grows quite quickly and you do genuinely fall in love and just sort of build a really strong foundation and have very open communication from an early stage. So there's less kind of this, oh, they didn't reply to me for two hours, so I'm not going to know. And we have to keep it small talk for the first sort of three months. And, you know, if I talk about do they want kids, I'm going to freak them out and they're going to run away like and think I'm a crazy lady just wanting their babies. And so I, I think <laughs> in the early stages you grow close quite quickly mm-hmm. and you feel like you can just be open and ask whatever you want to ask and it not mean a certain thing. We are watching this series on Netflix at the moment called Glamorous. I don't know if you've watched it or started watching it or anything, but it's essentially a gay guy who joins like a makeup big company. And But there are a lot of queer characters and it is such a good series. And the lesbian in there, it's just, she really describes lesbians and how they approach relationships and how they are very, very well. And it's hilarious. So... If but you guys haven't watched it, put it on your list. Yeah. On your list. Oh, and we know what we'll be doing tonight. <laughs> it's binge worthy, honestly. If we didn't have a baby who requires our attention most of the day, we would have finished it by now. We'll finish off with one last question. So what is the funniest kind of misconception or confusion that you guys have had when trying to explain to someone that you're gay or you're a couple or you're together? Yeah, so when we were traveling, we it was our anniversary. So we were like, oh, we'll treat ourselves, we'll book a hotel with like walls and our own private shower and like a real bed that we can sleep in. And then I booked this hotel and even wrote on the thing like, you know, um, it's because it's like, what are you coming for? I was like, we're coming for our two year anniversary. 
And in my mind, I was like, oh, they might give us some like free champagne or something. Like, you know, it's our anniversary. How exciting. <laughs> and then we get there and they're like, he's like, yep, checking in. I was like, yeah, we're just checking in for our anniversary. Like, in any freebies. But then we get up to the room and it's a twin share. And I was like, what? Like, we don't want a twin share. We don't want two single beds. And so I go back down and I'm like, oh, hi. Like, you know, as I mentioned, my partner and I are here for our anniversary and we've got a twin share room. And he's like, and? And I was like, oh, well, like we booked a queen room. Like I booked a room that, you know, there was the options online and we paid more so that we could have a room with a queen bed or a king bed or whatever. And he's like, oh, okay, well, we can push them together for you if you want. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that'd be great. <laughs> so then <laughs> I'm like, push the beds together and then put king a king size sheet over the top. I don't know if it was awkward or funny or yeah. You were upset. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was upset because I was like, so annoying. Like if I was in a straight relationship and I was here with my male partner, it wouldn't even be questioned. And then like, or if you were traveling with a male friend and you were like a male and a female friend, they would assume you're a couple and give you a double room. Like, or, you know, so there's just always those assumptions. I think it's really like a funny thing that happens is also that when we're traveling, ah, so many times people just assume that we were sisters. So one time we were, we both had our hair in a bun and had a singlet on. And so we're walking through and then someone goes, sorry, excuse me. And we're like, yeah, they go, are you guys twins? And like, for anyone like, like that doesn't know us, we look nothing alike. Jack has big curly hair and I have straight, like dyed red hair. So it was like, we don't look anything alike. We're just like, no. <laughs> Did you have a singlet on with the arrow says, I'm with my twin pointing over or something? <laughs> twin one and twin two. <laughs> the sister misconception is real. Maddie and I went to a couple's massage the other week and we got it as a gift from my mum for Christmas. And so we booked it as a couple's massage in a couple's room where they're together. We walk in, walking up the hallway and they say, oh, you guys are in the same room. Is that okay? And we're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And then we get in and we have different therapists that we're sitting right next to each other. They're giving us a little foot spa. And we said, oh, you know, it's really nice to have some us time. You know, we've left our daughter at home. She's had a babysitter. And the the conversation kind of progressed. And then one massage therapist picked up on it and the other one didn't. So it was just that's the awkwardness when it started (laughs) and the Maddie's massage therapist was kind of like oh so do you both have kids and I said oh no like we're together we've just got the one daughter the other one was still confused after that I think I said oh Maddie (laughs) Maddie carried but like she's my embryo we're trying to explain IVF and then she said wait so your kids are they sisters or oh god and I was like, we don't have more than one kid. I was like, when was there two kids in this conversation? Like, I'm so confused. <laughs> Are your kids related? Or And it just got really hectic, the conversation. And then my massage therapist picked up on it. She's like, wow, that's really cool that you guys as a couple can do IVF like that. And that Maddie was able to carry your egg. And Maddie's massage therapist, who might have been English, English second language, was just not getting it she just thought we were sisters our daughters were sisters i'm gonna chill this one if i was a surrogate at one point i'm not sure she was very good <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of just came up on the conversation and um and then they she continued to be like oh you guys have to 
shower and wash off the coffee beads are you okay to do it together or do you want to do it separate like it was very look away look at me Uh, so another story when we were traveling we um met a family ended up staying in their airbnb downstairs and we were having dinner with them and sort of we'd been staying there for three days and chatted to them quite a lot so you know we kind of we call each other oh baby whatever in front of each other and two separate things so the the dad of the family was like so what happens if one of you want to take a bloke back to the troopy where's the other one go we're like oh oh that that doesn't happen <laughs> it's like oh you, you go to their place and you're like, oh, <laughs> we can't tell them now. So, you know, we're like chatting and then we're washing up and the mum was like to us, oh, and we were like, oh, one day you'll have to, when we have a house, you'll have to come visit us. And then the mum says to us, oh, would you two buy a house together? And we're like, yeah. yeah. And it's just like the look of confusion of like, oh, wow, you guys are really close friends, like buying a house together. <laughs> Such an awkward conversation to have, isn't it? And it, it's when it's, it gets that deep as well that you kind of was just like, how do you even come back from that? So you just like go along with just keep washing the dishes and be like, oh, I was going to go back with my sister now, back to bed. <laughs> we actually caught up with the family like after we'd left, we saw them again in Cairns or whatever. And then the daughter was like, it was she was 15 or 16. She looks Nick dead in the eye across the table and was like, so I found your TikTok. It's like videos of us making out. This is actually how we're going to doing the soft launch of our OnlyFans page. <laughs> if you'd like to go to that too, OnlyFans loop in the truth. <laughs> Thank you both so much for chatting with us today. We will wrap it up there, but we appreciate you guys more than you'll ever know. This is the positive queer representation that we are trying to put out there that we are so passionate about and honestly... Stuff like this, you have no idea. It helps even just one person sometimes. But hearing you guys speak so openly and freely about your sexuality and your relationship and then us reciprocating that, and it means the world to us that you guys are willing to put that out there and share with us. So any positive queer representation is so beneficial and we will keep spreading it. So thank you guys so much for coming on. You're very welcome. It's been lots of fun. Yeah, thank you. It's like having a, it's like we're just having a catch-up chat, really, you know. It's great. <laughs> Anytime we sit down together, I'm like, that's good. I feel close to you. It's, it's like a life debrief we just had. That was awesome. <laughs> and plus, sharing sharing the awkward, like, gay, lesbian encounters that we have and just normalising those moments and being absolutely okay with it, learning to laugh with it and how to deal with it and just sharing those stories too people can relate to it and for those that aren't quite there yet or thinking about it or just curious little monkeys it's just it shows that it is okay and even if you are conceived differently to what you want to be conceived as it doesn't matter because it always works out and things are fine no matter what what questions are asked or what situation you put in you can always find a way to laugh at it and there are a lot of 20 something 30 something year old lesbian couples out there who are going through the same feelings as us. We all have these awkward conversations with people who assume that we're straight and it, it it's a little bit of a blow to your pride and your ego, but it does happen still, unfortunately. And yeah, you just got to remember to be confident in your relationship, in your own sexuality and yourself, and you are not alone. Look, people are going to judge you with whatever flavoured ice cream you end up getting sometimes. So even your ice cream choices are not safe sometimes. So people have opinions, it doesn't matter. <laughs> We all get over it. We all live with it. It's fine. (laughs) 
embrace the journey. That's it. You know, it's you have lots of ups and downs, but you just got to roll with it. Mm. And sometimes when people say comments or derogative stuff, it's more to say it has it speaks volumes about them, not about you. Like, why does how you're living your life really impact them and make them feel so strongly? Like they need to look within themselves and trying to not take that on board as something directly about you, which can be tricky, but also like a really important thing to try and remind yourself of. What a perfect way to end it. One last time, if you would love to go and follow these girls, which you should, their Instagram is at loop in the troop. They have just the most incredible time living their best life up in Alice Springs. So the scenery is amazing. They are amazing. They are also positive queer representation that you need in your life. So thank you guys again for the chat and we'll have you back on the podcast very soon. Yay. Thanks. Okay. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening today. If you'd like to connect with us and stay up to date with our day-to-day life as well as future episodes, you can do so on our socials at those.2mums. We absolutely love bringing you these conversations each week. So if you love it too, please subscribe and leave us a review. Chat to you all next week. Bye.